11 o'clock, what's up? How's everybody feeling this morning? Awesome, 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 awesome. Listen, I want to welcome you this morning to um, the Experience Community Church. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to say happy Memorial Day weekend. And uh, listen, my name is Joshua Jamerson. If you do not know me, I am a pastor here at the Experience Community. I am also the pastor of Crossland Church. And um, we are officially an Experience Community Church. So amen, praise God for that, right? Yes, 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 yes. And we are, we are located in Antioch, Tennessee, all right? We are the church without, ooh, we are the church without um, walls. We don't have a building right now. So, um, so listen, just pray for us. But we are literally in the streets. We're hitting those streets, and uh, we're loving on people, loving God. So praise God for that. Listen, I am married. Um, my wife's name is Shatiqua. We've been married for about seven and a half years. Woo! You got some fans, honey. Um, she's sitting right here in the second row. And um, we have a six-and-a-half-year-old. Um, her name is Quincy, and um, she's a cat, okay? And um, listen, I'm a cat dude, all right? I'm a cat dude. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Some of y'all won't even look that way because some of y'all feel it right in here, like right over here. Some of y'all judging me. But um, listen, I just want to, um, I praise God, man. I praise God for another, another day, just another opportunity to be here and just to be able to share with you guys. And so last week, Corey was in Romans chapter 10, okay? And he was speaking about, he left us with some questions. He left us with some ideas. And it was pretty much, he was saying, what is our responsibility when it comes to the gospel? What is our responsibility when it comes to the gospel? When it comes and it knocks on our heart, do we reject it? Or do we live it out? Do we walk it out? So this week, I'm going to The big idea that I'm going to really speak about, and you're going to hear me weaving it in throughout the entire sermon, is what do we know about the loyalty of God? Or do we know that God is loyal and that God keeps his promises? What do we know about the faithfulness of God? What do we know about the faithfulness of God? So listen, when you came in this morning, you guys um, received some notes in a handout. Um, You can follow along with me on there. Um, If you do not have a handout, you can follow me on the app. You can go to Experience Community Church at Murfreesboro. Sermon notes will be there provided for you. And then if you just don't feel like holding notes or you don't feel like doing any of that, you can follow along on the screen, all right? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right into the sermon. Father God, this morning, I praise you. We thank you. Man, for your goodness, we thank you for your kindness. Father, I ask that in these next few moments that you will get a hold of our hearts. The words that I speak will be um, something man, that comes from you that will trigger our minds and our thoughts to know man, how good you are and the faithfulness of Christ. We'll give your name praise. We'll give your name glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, we are living in a time, we're living in a day and an age where when we hear the words loyalty or faithfulness, we sort of, you know, yeah, you know, we kind of take ownership of that. But we really don't have a really full understanding of loyalty and of faithfulness. There's really not much loyalty in our relationships. There's not much loyalty sometimes in our churches. Why is that, Josh? Because if you don't think like me or agree like me, guess what? You're not loyal. You ain't loyal to me. 
It's a song. It's, it's, well, I don't want to say, but yeah. Some of y'all know the song, right? That's why y'all laughing. <laughs> Never mind. But listen, so, and then also, if you don't look like me, man, not faithful. You're not loyal. Sometimes our, our understanding of faithfulness towards God is a little misconstrued. Because we only understand the faithfulness of God when he does something for me, right? When I pray for something, I pray for a job, I pray for a car, then it shows up, then we say, man, that's the faithfulness of God. But is God still faithful when I ask for something and I'm praying and then I'm waiting on the answer and it's like I'm in the middle of the prayer and the answer and I'm waiting? Is God still faithful in that? Many of us is like, ah, I don't know. I've been waiting too long. I'm about to do this. But God is still faithful. God is still loyal. So I'm going to read. Listen, this chapter is a lot of verses, 36 verses. They gave me the chapter with the most verses, okay? <laughs> right, you know? And um, I'm looking like, man, how am I going to do this? But listen, I'm going to break it up into four sections, okay? Break it up into four sections. We're going to kind of go through it. I'm going to do my best to explain, and then we're going to see where we land at the end, all right? Verse 1 says, I asked then, has God rejected his people? Absolutely not. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left. And they are trying to take my life. But what was God's answer to Elijah, to him? God says, I have left 7,000 for myself who have not bowed down to Baal. In the same way, then, there is also at the present time a remnant chosen by grace. Now, if by grace, then it is not by works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. What then? It says in 7. Israel did not find what it was looking for, but the elect did find it. The rest was hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear to this day. Verse 9 says, and David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a pitfall and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and their backs be bent continually. The question is, did God reject Israel? Did God reject his people? Paul asks that question from the, from the jump in chapter 11. And then he also answers it immediately. And he says, absolutely not. So Josh, what are you talking about? Why would Paul even ask this question? So in, in chapters 9 and 10, let me just kind of bring you up to speed real quick. Chapters 9 and 10, Israel rejects God, Okay. They want to go after the law of righteousness. They kind of wanted to do things on their own. They rejected the gospel. 
So then what happens is there's a stumbling block that comes. So now Paul is saying, well, God, but these are your chosen people. They rejected you. Have you not, man, have you rejected your people? And then Paul says, absolutely not. God's promises to Israel has not been canceled, y'all. Just because most of Israel was disobedience. They were walking in disobedience. I want to do it my way. I know what you're saying. I know you've even performed some things for me. Yeah, but I still want to do it my way. God's promises to Israel have not been canceled because of that disobedience. Paul himself, the reason why Paul was saying absolutely not, because Paul was proof that God had not forsaken Israel. Exhibit A, Paul is saying, listen, God's grace towards me illustrates the kind of compassion God will show to Israel as a whole. Here again, we see the ideal of a remnant. Paul kind of introduces this in chapter 9, verse 6. He didn't say the word, but he introduced it. The nation of Israel has always been a mixed group of people, a combination of faithful and faithless people. And while those who remained faithful, so Paul was exhibit A. Has God rejected his people? No, Paul's like, no, exhibit A, I'm from Israel. So no, I'm a child of God. No, so God didn't reject his people. Man, that's proof. But then here comes exhibit B, second example. Like Elijah, he often felt alone. But God reminds the the remnant that they are not alone. Now for Elijah, this is God proving himself, the faithfulness of God, the loyalty of God. For Elijah... God says, I preserved 7,000. Elijah was like, God, I feel alone. I feel like I'm by myself. These people are coming after me. God, I'm by myself. God says, no, you're not. I'm faithful. I got people that you don't even know about. I got people, people. You know, sometimes you'd be like, you about to fight? You'd be like, you all right? I got peoples. You don't know where they're coming from, but I got peoples. Don't think that I'm by myself. Oh, I got peoples, Right? And God is saying to Elijah, listen, I got 7,000 people. And then for Paul, there's also a remnant that God chose by grace. And then for us too, God keeps a remnant of faithful believers to remind us that we are never alone. This remnant was chosen by grace because they believed in Christ for eternal life apart from works. Man, but what happened with Israel? Disobedience. So sometimes we do ask questions. Man, has God forgotten about me? Is God faithful? A lot of times we're asking those questions. Why? Maybe because we're living in a place of disobedience. Right? Just as Pharaoh's heart was heartened because he rejected God's command, Israel's heart was heartened as well because they rejected God's son. Thus God gave them eyes, so because of their rejection, because of their disobedience, God gave them eyes that they could not see and ears that they could not hear so that they couldn't find what they were looking for. I'm talking about salvation. Because they tried to do it their way. They sought it out by works. Some of us in here would never experience the fullness and the faithfulness of God because we're trying to do it by ourselves. 
I trust God on Sunday when I walk through the doors, but once I leave here, it's like, ah, I just checked the box. And then when something comes, man, do we really know that God is faithful? If it don't show up, we live in a generation where it needs to be happening right here, right now, call it microwave, but I come from a generation that cooked in crock pots, right? <laughs> Take forever for the dinner to come. Is it time to eat? Got to do it early in the morning, and then when you get home, it might be done. The meat at least probably done, but I got to still cook sides. What's going on with that? Eight o'clock, I got to eat, and then it's time to go to bed. They wanted to do it their way. They started doing it by, by works. And God says, uh-uh. Listen, let me, let me say this to you. Partial, listen to this, partial Obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Josh, what do you mean? Josh, get in there and do them dishes. There's 30 dishes sitting in the sink. I go in there and do three. Josh, I told you to do the dishes. But I just, I did. Partial Obedience, guess what happens? Either I'm gonna get a whooping, well, I don't know, y'all don't get whoopings no more these days, but get whoopings, or we get punishments, or you know, timeouts and stuff like that. But there's consequences that come with disobedience. Partial, this, the, the Israel, the, the nation of Israel was trying to do it, well, I could do it halfway, I'll do it this way. No, 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 no. You're either gonna do it this way, go down this road, or it's not correct. But yet we say, man, the faithfulness of God. But we get ready to see here in a moment that even after the nation of Israel seemed as if, man, God put this stupor over them, blinded their eyes and covered their ears so they couldn't hear, heartened their hearts. Well, if they're the chosen one, what happens now? How is the word going to go forth? God has a plan. There's hope that's coming, all right? Verse 11 says, I ask then, have they stumbled so far as to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Now, if their transgression brings riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fullness bring? Now, I am speaking to the Gentiles. And so far, I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If I might somehow make my own people jealous and save, and save some of them. For if their rejection brings reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from dead, from the dead? 16 says, now if the first fruits are holy, so is the whole batch. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now, if some of the branches were broken off and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them and have come to share in, um, in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, do not, do not boast that you are better than those branches. But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root but the root sustains you. Some of y'all got lost in that whole little thing, but I'm, I'm explaining it to you. I got you. 
I promise you. 19 says, then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough, they were broken off because of unbelief. But you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but beware. Because if God did not spare the natural branches, man, will he not spare you either? Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you. If you remain in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. Here we see Paul revealing how the hardening of Israel's heart or how the hardening of Israel has resulted in the blessings for us, for the world, for the Gentile. Well, God, the chosen ones, man, they're, they can't see, they can't hear. They, hurt, they can't feel nothing. What's, where's the hope at? Israel may have been hardened like Pharaoh, but they, this is good news right here, but they are not beyond recovery. I don't care how hard we fall, how hard I, if I fail right here, some of y'all will laugh, but if I fail, I am not beyond recovery because I can get back up, walk on around and get back in this space. Just because, but this is hope right here, just because we deny Christ. Just because I reject God, there's still hope. I am not beyond recovery. They have stumbled, but not so badly as to fall away from God forever. In fact, God planned on their rejection. You mean to tell me God planned, God knew that they was going to um, reject him? He planned on it. Some of us get in situations, we don't know how to plan nothing. I know how to plan a little bit. I've been in the Marine Corps. So they taught me how to plan and think ahead a little bit. But I can't think like God, right? He had this thing all worked out. He planned on their rejection as a vehicle for delivering salvation to the Gentiles or to the world, which is us. Paul saw this when the Jews rejected his message. It led him to take his message to the Gentiles. Now, by rejecting the gospel, by rejecting Christ, by rejecting his son, the nation of Israel allowed salvation to come to the Gentiles. <clears throat> so what's going to happen is this. Well, is there hope? Where's, okay, I, I hear you saying hope, but where's the hope? The hope is when Christ returns, the failure of Israel will be reversed to their fullness because they will believe in Jesus as their Messiah. Not only will this reversal lead to salvation of Israel, but it will also lead to riches of this world and life from death. God's salvation, y'all, was always tied to Israel. So check this out. You mean to tell me that them rejecting God, them falling, so to speak, because of this other falling, God had a plan and said, well, they're going to fall, but I'm going to use this to deliver the message. If their stumbling brought the gospel to the world, can you imagine how much more their strengthening would bring? 
If when I fail, God used that for his glory, can you imagine that when I stand tall, when I stand for righteousness, what God will do? The faithfulness of God. Hopefully, some of us are thinking, man, when I stand for righteousness, when I stand for what is right, for what, for what the word of God says, how much more will God stand up for me? How much more? If he had a plan for Israel in the midst of their falling to bring the gospel, you mean to tell me he don't got a plan for me? Oh, he's faithful. He's loyal. To anticipate any objections to the certainty of Israel's redemption, Paul compares the remnant to the first fruits. If the first fruits of a particular crop are healthy and sweet, it's a guarantee that the rest of the crop will follow suit. What does that look like? Here's a root. Okay, this is Christ, Jesus, Israel. Out of this root are branches. Israel is growing out of this. Man, it's faithful. God has promises. But these branches don't want to do right. So guess what? The branches fall off. So then the hope is God takes the gospel to me, to the Gentiles, who don't belong to this, and then he grafts them inside of this. Man, how awesome is that? God made a promise to Abraham, y'all, a long time ago. His promises from Abraham form this root, and this root produces fruit. And through this remnant, God will be able to fulfill his promises to Abraham and to restore Israel. He made a promise to Abraham a long time ago. Listen, let me tell you a little something, a little secret. Abraham is dead. He dead dead. <laughs> he he. He, he gone, he dust, right? You mean to tell me that God made this dude a promise? Abraham, Abraham is dead, dead, but yet the promise that God had for Abraham is still being fulfilled to this day? That sounds like the faithfulness and the loyalty of God. That's faithfulness. How much more if we would just open up our word and grab a hold to a promise that God has spoken over our lives, oh my God, can you imagine what will happen? Can you imagine what will happen to our neighborhoods, to our homes, to our, you know, to our houses? I'm, I'm believing for salvation from my home. Grab a hold to a promise. At this point, Paul's Gentile readers, now here we go, we're talking about hope. But Paul wants to make sure he's given some wisdom to us, to the Gentiles. Listen, just because you was grafted in, don't you respond in arrogance. Just because I invited you to my party, you accepted it, don't you become arrogant. After all, they might think, well, Israel rejected God's promise or his message, but we didn't. Paul warns them to avoid this attitude at all cost. We want to experience the faithfulness of God. We need to learn how to humble ourselves. Avoid that attitude at all cost. 
Do not be arrogant and do not boast that you are better than those branches. I'm grafted in. Them branches fell. Ha! <laughs> you better not boast and you better not be arrogant. Because after all, check this out. It's what the scripture was saying. Israel was cut off because of unbelief. And God may just as readily cut you off like he did the Israelites. If it was easy for him to cut off branches that was attached to it, that was supposed to be there, how much more easy is it to cut off a branch that's grafted in? We have to learn how to walk in humility, humbling ourselves before God. I want to experience the faithfulness of God, then we, we got to get rid of these arrogant attitudes that we just sometimes we just pick up because we just, we, we watch too much stuff and we listen to the wrong people for too long. Then next thing you know, we walking around here like, all right. You only, listen, we only grafted in. <laughs> we could fall just like the rest of them. All who remain grafted into God's tree of salvation stand by faith. Faith cannot coexist with arrogant pride, y'all. You cannot say that I got faith and then arrogant pride is, it, it just, it's like oil in the water. It does not mix. humbling ourselves. Maybe people feel like they have to choose between God's kindness and God's severity, as if God could only be tough or loving, strong or compassionate. But Paul knows the two go together. God is severe towards our sin, but he is kind enough to cover it in Christ. How many of us are excited and happy that God covered our sin in Christ. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Listen, I should be either dead or in somebody's jail. But God, somebody say, but God, covered my sin in Christ. You know what that sounds like to me? A faithful God. Somebody that's loyal. Now us, you reject me, I'm not coming back for you. Yeah, well, listen, I'm cute too. You know what I'm saying? Don't you reject me. Again, I'm being arrogant, right? Pride. You think you're cute. You know what I mean? But that's not, that's not how God was. I thank God that, man, his love covered us. His kindness covered my sin. In Christ. So the first section, we talked about, man, has God forgotten his chosen people? Has God forgotten his people? The second section, we talked about, well, okay. No, he has not forgotten them. But because God had a plan, I'm going to bring hope still. I'm going to still get my word out. Now, this next section, I want to talk about his love, God's unconditional love. Verse 23 says, and even they, 
if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in because God has the power to graft them in again. For if we were cut off from our native wild olive tree and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you will not be conceited. A partial hardening has come before upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. 28 says, regarding the gospel, they are enemies for your advantage by regarding election or choice. They are loved because of patriarchs, since God's gracious gifts and callings are irrevocable. As you once disobeyed God, but now have received mercy through their disobedience, so they too have now disobeyed, resulting in mercy to you, so that they also may now receive mercy. 32 says, for God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may have mercy on all. You want to know what unconditional love looks like? What real unconditional love looks like? It's God saying to Israel, listen, even after you rejected me, even after you left me, I'm still going to come back and bring the good news. I'm still going to come back and save you. And that's love. God will fulfill his promises to Israel, y'all. Even though a partial hardening has come, before, come upon them, they will experience true salvation. Again, we talked about it. This is going to happen. As soon as all of the Gentiles come, it, it, they come in. When is that going to happen? I don't know. But it says as soon as they come in, Jesus will return. God is going to remove the stupor. Their eyes are going to be able to see. They're going to be able to hear. Their hearts won't be hard anymore. And here's, here's salvation. But at the end of the day, they still got to choose. They still got to say yes. God will pick up his program once again, y'all, with Israel. All of this will happen, like I just said, during the end times. Jesus will return as the deliverer to eliminate godlessness, and all of Israel will be saved. Talking about love and his grace and his mercy, man, that sounds like grace and mercy to me. I can reject you, do my own thing, leave you, and then you come back for me. And I still got the promises that you offer me or that you promised me from day one. That sounds like love. That sounds like God's faithfulness. That sounds like God's loyalty. Paul winds down this argument by summarizing what he's been saying throughout this entire chapter. God's election or God's choice of Israel makes them beloved of God. Can God be dependent on to keep his gracious gifts and callings to them? 
even though they've been set aside for a time. Because of their rejection, the Gentiles received the mercy. The gospel was spread because of Israel's rejection. Yet that same mercy was not for the Gentiles alone, y'all. Because God still desires for Israel now to receive mercy. That sounds like a loving God, a faithful God. This was God's plan all along. Taking the rejection of one and causing it to be a blessing to others before returning to those who rejected him and having them accepted. That's a lot of love right there. Again, I said it earlier, that, that probably wouldn't have been me. I get my, my feelings get hurt. My pride gets hurt. But God had a plan. His faithfulness and his loyalty. Only in this way could God have mercy on all, magnifying his awesome plan and his wisdom. Man, God, I thank you for your mercy and I thank you for your grace because there was a lot of things that I did that it was me. I did it. I lied in the moment and said I didn't do it, but I did it. And I thank God for his mercy. His mercy comes, shows up for us when we deserve it. I did it. His grace comes along, which is his favor or his kindness. Man, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified for this. And God says, come on, let me show you some mercy. Let me show you some grace, some kindness. That sounds like the faithfulness of God. Even in our lives today, I say this to Cross in a lot. We have to get to a place where we start to settle the lordship issues in our lives. It's time to settle it. Is God going to be God or is he not going to be God? Am I going to trust him or am I not going to trust him? Get ready to wrap this up. 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be forever glory. Amen. So listen. I found this quite interesting. Now listen, Paul could have ended this letter in the previous verse, in verse 32, after he spoke about God having mercy on all. But he went on to write 33 and 36. Why? Is it possibly because Paul remembered something? He remembered Maybe he remembered the faithfulness of God. We used to say in church growing up, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for blessing me. Or whatever the service was, you might have said saving me. Thank God for keeping me. What do you think Paul thought about maybe possibly that made him get to this place of thankfulness? 
Get to this place of, man, God, I want to give you praise. Is it maybe Paul was thinking about, wait a minute, my name used to be Saul. (laughs) I was a ruthless dude. God had mercy on me. That sounds like a faithful God to me. Oh, that's a, I used to kill Christians. I was, a, I was a killer. I ain't even gonna look at some of us in here. But we were guilty. Paul was like, I was guilty. But God had mercy on me. After contemplating the wisdom and the knowledge of God, after thinking about, man, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, I remember I thought about what God did for me. Man. Paul is overcome with God's glory. God, man, I thank you for your goodness. You are faithful. You know how to meet me right where I'm at. The word glory comes from a word meaning weighty or heavy. Paul stops to say in the essence that God is the weightiest, the heaviest, and the deepest being in the universe. His glory is unmatched. Man, when you begin to think about the goodness of Jesus, this should probably come to our minds. No one can even outline his actions. You can't even outline God's actions. No one can get inside the mind and the head of God. No one knows what he's thinking. Who knew that God was thinking that even the branches will fall? As they fall, I'm going to graft some new ones. I'm going to let the fallen, and the mess is going to go. Wait. Because we would have been like, oh, they fell. That's it. End the story. No one knows what he's thinking. No one can offer something to God that puts them in their debt. His glory is beyond comprehension. His faithfulness is beyond comprehension. His loyalty is beyond comprehension. Whatever you think about God, right now, all of us are thinking about something about God. Whatever we think about God, he's so much more than that. He's so much more than that. Then at the end of Paul being overcome with God's glory and he gets a praise, Paul then adds, amen. Amen. Amen means that's it. That's it right there. We don't have to add to God's glory because there's nothing to add. Sometimes all I got to do, all I have, sometimes all God wants from me is just my praise. It's just my thank you. It's just my, God, all I got is just, God, I'll lift up my hands with tears in my eyes because I'm thinking about what you did for me, how you rescued me. I don't know what to do. All God just wants is my yes. My thank you. God, I'll praise you. God, I'll worship you. For from him and through him and to him are all things, not just now, but forever. As I was imagining this, let me say something. I was thinking about something. When Paul was giving thanks, and he was overcome with God's glory because I believe Paul began to think about the mercies of God and the faithfulness of God. I even imagine this. (laughs) 
You know, in my mind, I think Paul was like a thug. I think he was kind of thugged out. He was a rough dude. You know, tattoos and all kinds of stuff, right? I think that was Paul. But even in the midst of that, even while he was giving thanks, I also think Paul could have possibly said this to God. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And he probably said after that, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. God, I'm still in your hands. <laughs> I'm in the waiting period, but this is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I'll lift up my hands. God, you have never failed me yet. God, even after a rejected Israel, you wouldn't fail. You didn't fail them. You still going to show up for them. Why would you not show up for me in the midst of whatever I'm going through right now? Listen, I'm a dude standing here right now. I got a couple of things going on. I got a mass here, a mass on my liver. I got a surgery on Tuesday. It's a lot going on in my head, but what I do know is this. I do know the faithfulness of God. I know the loyalty of God. I know that God has called my name, and I also know that I said yes. So I can stand on that. And whatever happens after that is what's going to happen. But I believe that he's going to take care of all of this stuff. How do, we re how do we respond to the loyalty of God? How do you respond to the loyalty of God? I just said it. Say yes. How do you respond to the faithfulness of God? We don't reject his word. We don't reject him. We live our lives according to his commands. And we say, God, I'm not going to do this by myself. I know I'm dug deep in this thing, but God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but God, you are faithful. Also, what we can do, how to respond is after I say yes, and God, I'm not going to reject your word, is I can humble, I can humble myself before God and I can acknowledge him. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive them of their sin, and then I will heal their land. God is looking for humility. We want the healing of the land, but we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to see God. We don't want to live right. We don't want to walk upright. We don't want to trust him. 
but today could be a day that we can change all of that. To God, today, God, I'm gonna humble myself before you. I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna accept Christ and I'm gonna recognize his faithfulness and his loyalty towards me. I'm going to accept Christ today, right now, and I'm gonna recognize his faithfulness, not just because of the blessing of the car or the job, but God, I thank you for your love and for your grace. God, even when I think about what you did for, 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 for the Gentiles and for, man, for Paul, God, you are good. I'm gonna recognize that and I'm gonna acknowledge this. And then after that, I'm gonna live my life according to that truth. To that truth, his truth, not Joshua's truth. My truth is jacked up. Don't y'all fall for this mess that you hear, live your truth. That's a lie from straight from the pit of hell. Why would I live my truth? And my truth changes every other day. If it's hot, if it's hot outside, then I'm good to go. If I got a good attitude, if it's cold, I'm ready to fight you and cuss you out. Why would I follow that truth? I have to follow his truth. What he says about me. In a few moments, I'm gonna pray. I'm getting ready to pray. What we're going to do as a church before I pray or after I pray is we're going to go and get, we're going to grab communion. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to bring it back to our seats. There'll be a pastor here. We have Pastor Carl. Pastor Carl is going to be standing here. If you have any questions, come and talk to him. There's a prayer team that will be on the sides. If you need prayer, you got to. You want to touch and agree about anything, come and have somebody pray with you. But this is what I ask in regards to communion. I ask that you don't get up and grab that communion if you're not a follower of Christ. Before you get up and before you go grab that communion, let's get it together right here in these seats. And once we do that, man, get up with your chin up and you go walk up there and you grab that communion. And then Pastor Greg is gonna walk us through. But listen, do me a favor, close your eyes. You're getting ready to pray. Father, I thank you this morning that we have an understanding of the faithfulness of God. Man, God, I can stand on your word. I can trust you because your promises are good. You've never failed me. You've never failed your word. So God, I thank you. God, as I leave here today, I'm going to live my life according to your truth. God, I'll, I'll continue to experience your faithfulness, your loyalty. God, you are so good to me. And I give your name praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.